0: Jay and I have two guests today, engineer Ron Stein and independent public policy consultant, Todd Royal. Todd and Ron are the authors of Clean Energy Exploitation, helping citizens understand the environmental and humanity abuses that support clean energy. The book we boosted in our America Out Loud article this past week. Ron is a licensed professional engineer and founder and ambassador for energy and infrastructure of the California-based PTS Advance. He holds a Bachelor of Science in Electrical Engineering from California State University, Northridge. Ron's first career was in project management and engineering roles with major international engineering firms, Floor and Bechtel. Ron works now to increase energy and infrastructure education and literacy in the wider public sphere. He is an internationally published columnist, an energy expert who writes frequently about all aspects of energy and economics. Our other guest, Todd Royal, is an independent strategic consultant, researcher, and author on Energy Matters. He focuses on geopolitical implications of energy. His scholarly works are on energy, geopolitics, national security, and foreign policy. Todd began his career in the energy sector after having his master's thesis published in the US Library of Congress in 2015. Together with Ron, he has published hundreds of articles to educate citizens, private industry, and government leaders about energy. Todd and Ron are also the authors of the five star rated book, Energy Made Easy Helping Citizens Become Energy Literate in 2019, and also another book called Just Green Energy in 2020, helping citizens understand a world without fossil fuels. And I actually just bought the first of those two books, Energy Made Easy, last night. All their books and more are linked to Amazon on their website at www.energyliteracy.net. We'll include the links to all of their books under the audio when this interview goes to podcast on the America Out Loud site this coming Monday. So welcome to the show, Ron and Todd.
3: Glad to be aboard. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks, you guys.
1: Ron and Todd, I got to jump in here and give an amazing unpaid commercial (laughs) for the most important book involving the climate change fraud that has been written in recent years. Its title is Clean Energy Exploitation. Now, Ron and Todd, I have published at least 20 book reviews in the last 20 years on the climate change fraud. Many scientists have addressed it and have written great uh, books about it. But your book now is uh, the most important book for this time, in that we have an administration that is promoting the fraud as never before And they're promoting it on the back of so-called clean energy, which is put forth as wind and solar energy. And uh, it's anything but clean. It's anything but good for the environment. And of course, it cannot ever support the economy of this country or the rest of the world. It really is intended to enslave the entire world's population, requiring the rationing of energy. But the real untold story is how unclean it is, how it works on the backs of essentially slave labor, child labor, and is destructive to the environment. I've only had this book for two days, and I cannot put it down. It is astounding. And it is going to be the source of a great deal of writing that I will do in the coming uh, weeks and and months. And the interesting thing about it is its cover uh, shows a soldier with a machine gun looking down into a mining pit of slave labor. First question is how you decided uh, to use that amazing photograph to put on the cover of your book.
4: The subtitle is, really tells it all, helping citizens understand the environmental and humanity abuses that support clean energy. The photo says it all, and the photo illustrates how many Africans, Asians, and South American children are being enslaved and dying in mines and factories to extract and process the rare earth and exotic minerals required for solar panels, wind turbines, EV batteries, in utility storage systems. You know, we call these blood minerals, similar to blood diamonds. The same less developed countries that are mining for these materials are in countries with virtually non-existent environmental regulations, you know, so the wealthy nations can decarbonize and move to an all-electric society. This lack of oversight inflicts humanity, atrocities, and environmental degradation to the local landscapes in those foreign countries. Beyond comprehension. and We're not paying any attention to it. Yeah, well, this
1: is really the untold uh, story. And it's why I now consider this easily the most important book uh, that any of our listeners could ever purchase and read to really understand how horrible uh, what our current administration in the United States is doing. And really all over the world, everybody really needs to obtain this book. The only person, strangely enough, that focused on it was uh, Michael Moore in his movie Planet for the Humans. uh, Michael Moore is one of the best known uh, leftists in the world, but he made a movie exposing the fallacy of clean energy, renewable energy. He still uh, hung on to a little bit of the climate change fraud. But in that movie, which the leftists now hate him for, and for the most part, had the movie removed from YouTube. He did a two-minute compression of everything that you talk about in the book, the uh, obtaining all the rare earth minerals to uh, create wind turbines and, uh, and solar batteries. And he compressed it in an amazing two minutes of really showing how terrible it is. But what you have done in the book is far better than that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Todd, you can address the $60 billion climate change plan for a city of a million, if you can believe that. (laughs) And they have a vision to transfer Ottawa into a thriving city powered by clean, renewable energy. So to do this, they want to have 36 square kilometers of solar panels and believe it or not, 710 large-scale turbines. (laughs) Can you tell the city, is this really clean, renewable
3: energy? Not at all. Uh, and I even want to just briefly say about the cover, because Ron and I, when we chose that cover, we even asked ourselves, are we being bombastic here? And then if you see the book, it's it's highly sourced. And we, we looked up the photo and it's like, no, this is true. Uh, if I remember correctly, it's a soldier in the Congo pointing a weapon at small uh, African children to make them mine in conditions that none of us would even want to go camping in. The way we like to say it is we're agnostic. We want the facts. And the facts say that under, ter- under current technological constraints, meaning a wind turbine produces about 25 to at best 50% of what it says it will. A solar panel produces about 25% of what it says it will. Harvard, Harvard Business School just did a big study on them that showed that they, they degradate at 13 times faster than they ever thought. So now solar panels, it's supposedly you can get up upwards of 10 to 15 years of top use. You're getting maybe two years, five years, seven years at most. So the city of Ottawa is actually going to be taking, taking billions of taxpayer dollars. You're going to be working towards enslaving African children, indigenous peoples in South America for lithium, slave labor in China, and when we say these things and we say it in the book, Ron and I sometimes would have phone calls and I'd go, Ron, do you think, are, are we being crazy here? Is this We've sourced this, right? And Ron would call me and I'd call him and I had this report. Would you read this to make sure I read this right? And when you look around, look, I'd look at the city of Ottawa and I'd go, please, the best thing you can do is to go build a coal-fired power plant from workers in West Virginia or go use your, your oil sands. Because that way there's environmental controls, there's labor controls. You're about to bring in rare earths and exotic minerals from places that, as we said in the book, have hardly, basically no environmental controls, no labor controls. And in many ways, you're enslaving children and people the way sex trafficking enslaves and destroys people's lives. That's exactly what you're doing when you're taking these at such large scale Quantities. And now we certainly know that the persecuted Ugar Muslims in, um, in China right now are basically the ones who are building all the solar panels for Europe, which likely means they end up in Canada and also in the United States. So I would beg the city of Ottawa to reconsider what they're doing.
4: Everybody is mesmerized by
3: renewable
4: energy. I've started changing that word, renewable, it's breezes and sunshine. They're betting on the weather because this renewable energy is, if the breezes are blowing and the sun is shining, you have a chance for electricity and at best it's going to be intermittent electricity because you can't depend on the weather.
1: Well, I want to add two things uh, to this before Tom asks the next question. A few years ago, uh, I published an editorial in the Wall Street Journal. And it's hard to get into the Wall Street Journal, but uh, Mm -hmm. I know that they accepted my op-ed because of something clever but accurate I said. I said that in uh, not too many years, when all the wind turbines in the United States uh, are no longer operating and there is no money available to dismantle them, the United States would become one big sculpture garden. And uh, that is big time uh, what would happen in Ottawa uh, if they were able to move forward with their insane uh, plan of spending $60 billion over over 10 years. It isn't going to happen, but it is insane. But the other thing I wanna point out is they will essentially get no dependable energy uh, in the Ottawa city from wind and solar because of what Ron just said. It's uh, totally unreliable. It's uh, you're dependent on the weather when the sun is shining and the wind is blowing. So whatever energy they feel they need to depend on in the city, it has to be backed up 100 percent with reliable coal energy or natural gas energy ready to put on their grid in a matter of seconds. Mm -hmm. So all they're doing is dramatically increasing the cost of uh, their energy. And on top of whatever they spend on wind and solar, they're going to have to spend more on uh, backup energy when the wind isn't blowing and the sun isn't shining. It is sheer insanity, but there is one kind of good thing about it. I'm working on a series of articles about how insane all of Canada is trying to get to net zero and have no carbon dioxide emissions in the coming years. It's all crazy. But looking at Canada as an example of the worst possible things you can do might save other countries from doing just as bad.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, good point. I just asked Todd to expand a little bit on the business of whether or not these are clean energy sources. Can you talk, Todd, a little bit about what are the rare earths, and what are the transition minerals that are needed to make, say, wind and solar power, and where it comes from?
3: Well, the main ones really are lithium, cobalt, nickel, and where you see the lithium in particular, where you see this coming from is China, the South American uh, lithium triangle, cobalt in particular, over 60% of it comes from the Congo, which is essentially the UN describes it. It's a failed state failed country within the african continent nickel a large source of it comes from russia so obviously we know that means it goes directly to vladimir putin and his armies neodymium which also is another exotic mineral none of this is being done in the united states none of this is really being done at all in the european union japan south korea australia which is really hindering their own lithium mining right now what we what we refer to in the book in our other two books is Western aligned nations. We speak a lot about the post world war II U S led liberal order, which meant freedom, human rights, based on the UN, you know, declaration of human rights. So these are places, all of this is being run. All of these turbines, solar panels, storage systems, and EVs are being built in countries that are human rights abusers. In the case of China, you have a country which literally wants to take over the world and, likely enslave it towards communist doctrine and then you have places in, in South America where that very to little to no water for people and lithium requires an amount of water that's almost hard to comprehend during the mining and brining process so that's just an example but there are you know anywhere between 28 to 36 of these metals and minerals and you also have copper uh, the largest copper producer in the world is Chile, which yes is trying to be democratic But I think anybody who understands the history of South America knows that's been a very difficult form of government for them to embrace.
0: Mm -hmm. Just drilling a little bit further down. So I understand that it's rare earths that are needed in the supermagnets at the top of these large industrial wind turbines. Is -hmm. that correct? And and where do the rare earths come from generally? And under what conditions are they mined?
4: Before I answer that, you really have to back up and take a look, you know, the you know, Biden is, is pushing for us to go green, go green, everything green. And, but the most important fact about today's environmental movement and the clean energy exploitations the book explores is that the United States of America, the largest economy in the history of mankind is representing four percent of the world's population. You know, 330 million versus almost 8 billion. And we could literally shut down and cease to exist and the opposite of what you've been told and believe will take place. Simply put, in the United States, every person, animal, anything that causes emissions to harmfully rise could vanish off the face of the earth or even die off, and global emissions will explode in the coming years and decades ahead over the population and economic growth of China, India, and Africa. China, India, Indonesia, Japan, and Vietnam they're building more than 600 new coal-fired power plants. African countries are planning on building more than 1,200 new coal and gas-fired power plants. And the, the exotic minerals and metals, lithium and cobalt, that's fog lithium. There's not enough lithium in the world to build as many batteries as they want to build. You know, mm. the Tesla has, has a 1,000-pound battery, Ford 150 greatest-selling truck around, came out with an EV version. Their battery is 1,800 pounds.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Hummer, Hummer, the macho Hummer, has an EV version. Yeah. Their battery is 5,600 pounds, 10,000-pound vehicle.
2: Yeah,
0: Ottawa just announced they're going to spend $1 billion on getting a few hundred electric buses. And you're saying the lithium in those batteries, it's coming from pretty... Uh, I'm, well, as you say, failed states.
3: Yeah, you're, you're looking at that lithium mainly coming from China. You're not looking at it coming from Australia. So essentially, again, when you buy nickel, you're, you're putting that money into Vladimir Putin's pockets, who we know he only raises larger armies to go invade countries so he can feel he has his, his buffer about being invaded again. And then the same thing with the Chinese. You're talking about they're going to be taking that, making their military larger, They build more coal-fired power plants to be the manufacturing center of the world to make themselves more and more powerful. And if you say one thing against them, they'll do what they've done to Australia, which is they say, we're not going to buy your coal anymore. We're going to do a trade war with you. We don't care what the United Nations, we don't care what anybody says, any trade agreements, you have encroached on us. And what we're saying is, Tom, is that we're going to buy lithium from them, we're going to buy all, the, you know, neodymium. It's going to come from them. And every mm-hmm. single component in these mm-hmm. solar panels and wind turbines, as we say, they do not run without these rare earth and exotic minerals. And you're talking about giving the vast majority of the supply chain. It's upwards of 80 to 90 percent. It comes from China. It's mm-hmm.
1: written widely on electric vehicles. And I've just written a, uh, a new article dealing with electric vehicles, and it may be an issue that you're probably aware of, Ron Todd, but perhaps not. The government of the United States and of Canada uh, and around the world are promoting electric cars, and I think a lot of people don't understand why. They certainly realize that if we go to all electric vehicles, there is not enough electricity at power plants to feed these uh, vehicles. So we're going to have a a nation, if we did have uh, mostly electric vehicles, uh, of people that you'd have to ration the electricity that the vehicles use in order for people to move around. Their Mm -hmm. ultimate plan is actually to control transportation. It's actually to control how the population moves from place A to place B. Uh, The United States is the most mobile country in the world. We love our automobiles, but if we're made to use only electric vehicles, we'll be told how much electricity we can get and how far we can travel. This isn't going to happen, but it is really the underlying motivation of the government promoting electric
4: vehicles. Let's talk about the buyer for a second. You're, You're basically assuming that we're moving down this EV train, I live here in California. Now, there's a lot of EVs in California. When you look at the United States, half the EVs in the entire country are here in California. Now, that's, I guess, the good news. The bad news is, statistically, it's proven that EV owners are high-income people, highly educated, usually one or two degrees, They use the car maybe 5,000 miles a year. It's not the family workhorse. It's a toy car. And 20% of the owners that have an EV are switching back to gasoline when their lease is up. And then you take California. If the high-end people are the ones buying it, half of California is Hispanic and African-American. They don't even fall into that income category. And if you don't have a garage convenient to charge it, you know, most of these people don't live in houses. They don't live in the brand new apartments that have EV charging. They basically park their cars in the street and they need a workhorse vehicle for their family to drive more than 5,000 miles a year. And how are they going to charge it? You're going to have extension cords all over the street. And the next thing you're going to read about is all the theft of all the copper wire. <laughs> so
0: it strikes me, Ron, that Ottawa buying hundreds of electric buses had better keep their internal combustion engine driven buses as backup for when it's minus 20. Like how well do these electric buses work when it's very cold?
3: Typically the, the battery degrades the colder it gets. So whether it was the, you know, the Texas polar vortex or other ones we've written about in the book, these batteries, whether it's utility scale for home or for an EV, the, the metals and minerals that it takes for these batteries to actually work the colder it gets, it's harder for this battery to stay charged, and so you're definitely you're losing a lot of the power and you're actually losing a lot of the charge time as well. Mm-hmm. And as certainly, as we just saw recently in Texas, and as we're seeing in California now with a with a good heat wave, Jay, you said it best you don't we there's nowhere in the world right now that has the grid to support wholesale electric vehicles and all of them being plugged in at the same time. And, and, and totally converting your petrol or your gasoline stations over to whether it's hydrogen or certainly an EV station. The grid simply isn't there. You would need to do trillions of dollars of upgrades, whether it's the EU, whether it's the United States, Australia, Japan, uh, South Korea, China, anywhere that you're trying to use an electric vehicle. And then we set we did we quoted a study in our book from Britain that showed, if they got rid of their 32 million vehicles and went to electric, that it would take all the current mining for all the rare earth and exotic minerals, not just lithium or copper or cobalt or nickel, but everything it would take. I believe the figure was upwards of a 300% increase all the way to a 10,000% increase. And everything that's currently being mined would have to be used just to satisfy uh, vehicle demands just in great Britain.
1: In one article I, uh, yeah. I recently wrote, I tried to use a, a photograph of a vacant lot outside of Paris where uh, they've parked all the electric vehicles that belong to the city of Paris that uh, are no longer uh, usable because the cars are worth less than the replacement battery that has been used up. To, uh, people yeah. are getting out of it, going back to regular cars, including the, uh, the city of Paris. But I want to move to uh, another major hidden secret about the whole uh, idea of uh, going green and all the things that you bring out in your fabulous book, Clean Energy Exploitation. And that is uh, the national security implications of going green for America and Canada.
3: The biggest issue that you have is, is let's say, if you go back to World War II, well, that was one with oil, coal, petroleum. If you do not have electricity, you don't have life. And what we're seeing with clean energy, forget all the atrocities, you have blackouts, you have something that cannot be made without a barrel of crude oil, because all the parts in them come from crude oil. So the national security implications are, you are taking what was once just recently in the former, you know, the Trump administration, where we are becoming a net exporter, which means we're getting to use soft power. No longer, what that means is no longer to have to take 16,000 Marines, put them in Germany, put them in Iraq, put them God knows where. Instead, I get to control foreign policy, national security off a barrel of crude oil or off a tanker full of natural gas. So when you go green, what you're saying is I'm no longer gonna drill for oil and natural gas I'm no longer going to take my coal and export it to other countries around the world to influence them. Again, this notion of soft power, which actually came out of the Clinton administration says, why do I want to go spend money on aircraft carriers, tanks, these poor men and women that you're putting these godforsaken third world hell holes when I can instead what they actually need is a coal fired power plant in Kenya, in Iraq, they need a natural gas plant. Um, In different areas around the world, in China, in India, I've written about India uh, heavily that we should be giving them our natural gas technology, because then you get to use soft power and you're not spending billions upon billions of dollars on things that are only going to be used for defense purposes. And quite possibly now with drone technology, you can fire the you can fire a hellfire missile And take out these things that once, you know, 25 years ago, 35 years ago, where it's two armies locked in battle or two navies locked in battle. uh, Now I can just put a piece of malware, shut down your pipeline, turn off your electrical grid. And I've done more damage than 30 divisions of the former uh, German army could ever do to the Russians in World War II. So going green, you are literally going backwards, as Ron says, You know, you're relying now on a breeze and the sunshine for your national security when really all of life, your economy, your own foreign policy, and certainly the national security of any country starts with, do I have a reliable energy sources, fossil fuel or nuclear, which then can keep my electrical grid from going brown or black?
0: I'd like to look at this word renewable. Would you consider wind and solar renewable, Ron?
4: Let me go back just, just a few years, because I know going green is, is the, the buzzword right now. But if you take a look, 1900 was the key year. That changed everything. In the 1800s, most people never traveled 100 to 200 miles from where they were born. You know, life expectancy throughout Europe hovered around 20, and 30 years of age. You know, food shortages, insecurity, they were leading concerns in the 18th century, especially in Europe. And these were exasperated by reduced harvest yields. Disease was another leading cause of death with rats and fleas being common carriers of disease, you know, specifically plagues during that area. Just a few hundred years ago, before oil, the world was unspoiled, dominated by mother nature and the wild animal kingdom there were few humans competing with the animals due to humans limited ability to survive what mother nature was providing. Before oil, life was hard, it was dirty and weather, many you know, weather related diseases. Before 1850, about three quarters of all products used by human beings came from living plants, or animals competing for the resources on Earth's surfaces. After oil, we created various modes of transportation. We created a medical industry, we created electronics, communications, or reduced infant mortality, extended longevity up to 80 plus now, and gave the public the ability to move anywhere in the world by planes, trains, ships, and vehicles, and virtually eliminated deaths from most diseases from all forms of weather. In the richer and wealthier countries like America, Inventions of the automobile, airplane, and the use of petroleum in the 1900s, as Todd said, led us into the industrial revolution and winning World Wars One and Two. Now, the healthier and wealthier countries of today, we have access to like six thousand products manufactured from petroleum derivatives that did not exist just a few hundred years ago. These products have resulted in the increase in longevity projections and as mentioned, virtually eliminated weather-related fatalities. Today, the world's transportation runs almost exclusively on refined oil products, and then about half of the world's food production relies on ammonia fertilizer produced from natural gas. The fuels, and most importantly, it's the products that come from oil derivatives, Mm -hmm. have been the cause for prosperity and for the world populating to 8 billion people.
1: Let's build on that in our next segment. This is uh, awesome what you have just uh, said. Every word are the kind of things that our listeners need to uh, understand and why uh, they need to obtain your outstanding book and learn more about it. So we'll be back in a few minutes.
2: Now, never before in our history have we witnessed the level of hatred that is now being waged against our law enforcement. While anarchist groups create havoc and overwhelm our first responders, these same groups and their corporate supporters are calling for the police forces to be shrunk and defunded. What can you and I do to make a difference? How can we stand up for what is right and to show our support? That's what I'm going to tell you about this incredible new platform. It's called ShopToTheRight.com. And it's a new shopping platform that will help you find businesses that align with your values. They feature products made in America. They support veteran owned businesses as well as our law enforcement community. This is a time when we need to stick together. We need to shop together and we need to support each other. It's time for you and I to make some noise and stand up to protect our country. And one easy way to do that is to shop and give our money to companies that don't seek to destroy our way of life. So join the fight for liberty. ShopToTheRight.com. Support those American businesses that support law enforcement and veterans.
5: In 2008, the amount of concentrated time people could spend on a task without becoming distracted was 12 seconds. Five years later, it was only eight seconds, one second less than a goldfish. If you find yourself always distracted or having trouble recalling information, you're likely to fall behind in the demanding, fast-paced 21st century. In other words, brain performance is more critical now than ever. Boost your brain power with Healthy Cells Focus Plus Recall. Science-backed nootropics to sharpen focus, concentrate longer, enhance recall, improve mental speed, learn rapidly, and be more alert.
1: the cancel culture is determined to destroy our history, bringing violence and terror to city streets, America Out Loud will enhance its own message of love and honor for the American traditions and constitutional values that have always been the backbone of what America means. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. America Out Loud Talk Radio liberty, and justice for all.
0: Todd, we hear that Ottawa wants to have 310 megawatts of local energy storage in only eight and a half years and 612 megawatts by 2050, which they say would be 310 large shipping containers of lithium batteries. Is that realistic for a city of a million to be having that huge amount of battery storage?
3: No, seeing that the cost so first off, let's just let's just think about the cost. So the US Energy Information Administration, which does fantastic work, has said for every about one megawatt of energy, it costs about over 1.5 million in a battery storage system. And these storage systems, they typically at best can last maybe four hours. So just let's just say, hey, here's the facts alone. Now let's get to 310 (laughs) storage containers. And you just sit here and you would say again to the city of Ottawa, ladies and gentlemen, you are now going to be the the folks who have worked towards enslaving black children in the Congo, enslaving Muslims in China. You're also going to be the people that are taking water from people who are living in fourth world conditions and best in South America. In other words, you are working towards, you may have really good intentions and and I don't know them. So I'm going to say you, you do, but you're now the people who have taken your money and you've literally enslaved people from small black children to some older Muslim woman sitting in a Chinese jail cell somewhere because of her belief system. So absolutely not should they be doing this from a financial standpoint, from just a technological and electrical standpoint, you're barely getting what you're paying for. And then obviously when it comes to human rights, Tom and Jay, as Ron and I have said in this book, you are you're destroying people's lives by using this technology.
0: Now, what would three hundred and ten large shipping containers to give our audience a, a feeling for how much that is? How, how much would that be? Would that be like transport trailer trucks or or what would it be?
3: It's it's almost hard to imagine what it's going to be. So you typically with these things, you're taking in millions of gallons of crude oil. So you're talking about tens of thousands of tons of rare earth and exotic minerals, again, like lithium, cobalt, nickel, neodymium that, are, that is going to be in these shipping containers. And again, all this then has to be transported by fossil fuels, processed by Mm -hmm. fossil fuels. It has to then be installed by machines from fossil fuels. And as Jay said earlier, like you made such a great point, Jay, this is all your storage system is backing up something that then has to both of these systems, whether it's the wind turbine, the solar panel, the utility scale storage system, as you said, Jay, it's then going to be backed up by a coal-fired power plant a nuclear power plant or a natural gas-fired power plant. So again, to put that in perspective, you're talking about hundreds of thousands of tons of earth and minerals and water and environmental degradation that's going to be sitting inside of these container ships.
1: There's another well-kept secret involved with this. Uh, We all remember the problem that uh, major airplanes were grounded because uh, there were... Uh, explosions of lithium batteries uh, on board, and they did mm-hmm. not allow them to be uh, transported in the plane. They are very unstable. Yes. Uh, the, you are hearing every so often about uh, a Tesla uh, blowing up because the battery just simply uh, exploded. Uh, I, I think that a rifle bullet fired into one of these containers full of uh, lithium iron batteries, could uh, set off a major explosion. Las Vegas is trying uh, to build a, the, the largest uh, solar uh, battery combination for the city, uh, which I wrote about about a year ago. It's never going to happen. But uh, the, the insecurity of relying on uh, batteries as a backup is something that has not been written enough about, but uh, very, very dangerous.
3: Yes.
4: You no. Know, to summarize what, what Todd was talking about, uh, Ottawa should take a look at the transparency of the supply chain mm-hmm. of where the materials are coming from. That would expose because, you know, the, the exotic minerals and metals, ironically, happen to be in all the developing countries where they have no environmental laws and no labor laws. And so we're being able to exploit it. You know, there is some lithium, some of those metals are here in the United States, but you wanna get a mining permit in America, good luck. <laughs> it would take, you know, 20 years uh, to get a permit. And uh, with all the environmental degradation, it's, uh, it would just be unbelievable to even think about doing any mining here.
0: So, Ron, when you look at the distribution of fossil fuels across the world, surely it's much more spread out and, in fact, available in most countries in comparison with rare earths and uh, transition minerals that are used for green energy.
4: That's exactly right. Um, the oil is in every country. Every country's got oil. And uh, we're very few countries have the exotic minerals and metals to go green. Um, you know, Take a look at Well, refineries pretty much answer the question because they're usually near a source of oil. And there's 700 refineries worldwide. There's only 130 in the United States, but worldwide there's like 700. And so the United States wants to get rid of oil. Well, okay, shut down all 130 refineries. And you still have more than 600 around the world that'll make the, uh, the, the products, the fuels, and everything for the, uh, for the world. And, uh, you know, it's a national security issue. So, mm-hmm. but you're right. Every, every country has oil, and uh, it, it's the, the most important thing of oil is not the fuel, not the gasoline, not the diesel, not the aviation. I mean, that, that provides transportation, but it's all the products. Think about it. We didn't have a medical industry before 1900. We didn't have communications. We didn't have electronics. In fact, COVID, ironically, it's a good thing COVID happened now because we have the ability to communicate via, you know, work remote, and educate remote. And take a look at the hospitals. Everything, 100% of what's in the hospitals, defibrillators, everything, it's all made with the oil derivatives. Mm -hmm. Without the oil derivatives, there is no medical industry.
0: Yeah. yeah, In your book, you actually have a picture of an oil barrel, a barrel of oil, and you show how it's divided up. And, you know, can you just briefly describe how is a barrel of oil used?
4: Well, about half of it is used for fuels, aviation, diesel and um, gasoline. The other half is all the derivatives. But economically, refineries exist because they make their money off the fuels. And so the byproducts, i.e., all the derivatives, that basically is what the world is depending on. And the one thing that solar panels and wind turbines cannot do, they cannot produce any of those oil derivatives. If you go back in history, electricity came after, I'm going to repeat the thing, after oil, because all the products you need to make solar panels and wind turbines are made with oil derivatives.
1: Uh, Ron, if everybody listening to this show right now would just look at the room that they're sitting in, I would <laughs> venture to say that 80% of the objects that are in that room, that they are located, would disappear without the oil derivatives
4: you just described. Well, we I think 80 per, 80, 80% is a low number. Yeah,
3: It is. Or or, or as we like to say now, too, as as we wrote about in the book, the COVID vaccine does not does not exist without oil and the products that come from oil. The vaccines have a vast amount of, of processed of processed crude oil in them. So the very people who want to get rid of these things typically are the very people then who are saying, please go get vaccinated. They're the ones who are the most strident about your vaccination we've said before, okay, then if you want to, that's great. If that's what you want to do, then you're not allowed to get a vaccine because that vaccine doesn't exist without that barrel of crude oil. Mm -hmm. Perhaps one
1: of you could uh, solve a puzzle
3: for me. Uh,
1: Why are uh, the hypocritical billionaires that possess huge carbon footprints want everyone else to reduce emissions uh, impacting the the green movement, why do these super rich people want to uh, put the rest of the world down by taking away from them uh, inexpensive energy that provides our standard of living?
3: Hmm. I'm gonna, to <laughs> Yeah, it is. I, I wrote about this fairly extensively in our book. It really comes down to two things. Uh, number one, it's about control. I think, I believe Tom, you alluded to it earlier, you as well, Jay you can control somebody. So he who controls energy and electricity really can control the world. And then after that, it's really a simple factor as we said of greed, because these industries, wind turbines, solar panels, just the whole green movement, it's all based on subsidies, a production tax credit, uh, an investment, the production tax credit goes to a wind turbine, investment tax credit goes to a solar panel. Um, they completely distort electrical markets because they can underbid uh, on on the market. And supposedly they're cheaper than fossil fuels and nuclear, which is killing the nuclear industry in America. When, as if you took away these subsidies, there's no way they exist. But then when you kind of, what we did in the book, we go, well, who's in control of this? You look up. And unfortunately it is a bunch of, it sounds like a bad Austin Powers movie right now. Like, it's, it's really a bunch of white male billionaires like a Michael Bloomberg, a Bill Gates, a George Soros, a Tom Steyer. Even, you know, then you get into environmentalists like Rachel Carson, Bill McKibben. Then you get into foundations such as the Ford Foundation, or ironically, the Rockefeller Foundation, which is all in on climate change, renewables, decarbonization, net zero, and then San Francisco-based ones like the Tides Foundation, or even the folks who... Um, Created Hewlett Packard. All of these guys, what they're getting is free taxpayer money. So what we wrote about in the book is they they scare the heck out of everybody. Okay, Ron, Jay, Tom, you are warming the earth. Oh my gosh, we're all gonna die. And the only way to solve it is by the companies we own, which is turbines, solar panels, storage systems, you know, an Elon Musk who builds these storage systems all throughout Australia and other places, and you scare the hell out of somebody, well, you're also getting free taxpayer money as opposed to like what Ron has. Ron's got a company that's gotta go compete in the marketplace. I'm sure Ron would love if he just decided, oh, every person that you, that you get you know, put on a job site, Ron, we're gonna give you a 30% tax credit, No, by the way, your income tax bill is going to probably be anywhere between 30 to 60% less because we just believe in your industry so much. So that is what we're seeing why this is happening, which is control and subsidies, which no longer means they have to actually compete in a capitalistic market. They're just getting almost like a favored nation status, but it's at a company level, uh, an energy level, which we know is everything for these folks who own these firms and these foundations and environmentalists.
1: The public is not gonna put up with this very much longer and that virtually all the rank and file citizens are beginning to recognize that this is sheer insanity Mm -hmm. and that in the election of November, 2022, when we elect a new house of representatives, Uh, I think we'll see a beginning of uh, the control of the purse strings, which our House of Representatives has, uh, will begin uh, to uh, turn the tide. I'd like both of your opinions on this and at the same time letting our listeners know what they can do to stop the insanity that uh, President Biden is uh, so well behind in his uh, first few months in office.
4: Well, let me comment on what Todd was saying also. You know, Biden, all the billionaires, all the politicians and movie stars, they've got access to the microphone. And like I say, they can can talk and the press will repeat everything they say. But if you take a step back, you know, the world is is 8 billion people. And 80%, that's a whopping almost 6.5 billion people they're living on less than ten dollars a day. Those are the people that are being exploited to produce the exotic minerals and metals, so that the rich and wealthy countries can go green. To you know, like I say, it's all transparency. There is no transparency. And I know here in California, you know, I think our governor fully believes we don't breathe anybody else's air except California's air, and. You know, if we get rid of, you know, a, a polluting facility, be it a refinery or some manufacturer, it's okay if it goes over to China. We don't breathe air. And it's it's crazy. I mean, you got to have some logic in there. And I think exploiting, you know, these these developing countries is atrocious.
3: Jay, it's, you um, know, uh, what, what else you can really do is that it's really getting involved. I mean, typically you have to kind of look back. If we go with the United States, you have to go, okay, which party is typically believing in energy reliability elect, uh, and electricity being delivered? It's typically Republicans. Um, you get a few Democrats like a Senator Joe Manchin here thinking a little differently, a little more of that Truman Democrat, kind of that old school working fa- working man, working family Democrat. It's, it's educating yourself. It is going to places like... CFACT or our book or Heartland Foundation or Mark Moreno, uh, Michael Schellenberger, Bjorn Lomberg. Um, it's reading books like um, The Spirit of Democratic Capitalism, um, where you really can begin to get an understanding what does somebody believe? And then join, look at your local party, go join a local Republican party, go to your school board meetings go to your utility board meetings, go run for the utility board, go run, run for the water district, go run. In other words, get there at a local level and stop just being worried about the president of the United States. Go understand what your congressman is doing. Even understand what your Senator is doing. But if you go, man, I've got two hours a week. Okay. Then go to your local city council meeting because they're, they're the ones who are deciding they want to build a 25 kilometer solar farm or a, you know, two acre or 10 acre natural gas fired power plant. And that's what people can begin to do to get involved. Um, they can begin to understand these things. And then when it comes to somebody like uh, Joe Biden or an AOC or a Tom Steyer, the billionaire from California who invested in coal and now supposedly he's all in on, you know, global warming and renewables. Well, go read about them, go understand them. They're, The 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 folks I've just mentioned, along with our own books, we can help break that down for you. But I say, give yourself even 30 minutes a week, then go to a PTA meeting, (laughs) because that way you're getting involved in the political process, and you're not just sitting there watching MSNBC, CNN, Fox, or you know, reading the LA Times, uh, New York Times, Boston newspapers, and getting upset. Now you're taking, you're finding your voice. And you're being proactive. And what I like to say, and Ron and I like to say, we want to give you answers and and really make yourself your own party of yes. And not just, I'm going to gripe about it, but go do something about it.
1: Todd, I am (laughs) going to transcribe every word you just said and put it in an article for people to read about what they can do. And your idea, I think two hours a week is not too much. and, And it is, you've said it all. We've just got to get involved to stop these uh, people who want to
4: run our lives. Absolutely. Well, to, to get involved, we encourage from our books and the op ed articles, become energy literate. Yes. Because, you know, we're agnostic. We're not for or against oil, nuclear, corn green. There's pros and cons of, of, of all of it. And just become energy literate. And when you read an article in the paper Know that there's there's other sides. There's unintended consequences of doing something, but and that's why we have our website, EnergyLiteracy.net, and um, I think that's the message that we're trying to get out. Folks, mm-hmm. become energy literate and be able to talk about it at the dinner table and have a discussion.
0: Just to end off, and we have to end off in a couple of minutes. Okay. Uh, you know, one of the things that strikes me in all of this is that it's very similar to the book, 1984. You remember in the appendix, they had a definition of Newspeak, which was a language which in many cases actually said the opposite, war is peace, you know, things like that. And it strikes me that the term clean, renewable energy, we've just shown how it's anything but clean. But it strikes me that, well, if you look up the definition of the word renewable, I question whether these are even renewable. It says a source of energy that is not depleted by use. So Ron and Todd, would you consider wind and solar energy, when you look at how they're made, would you consider them an energy store? it's not depleted by use
4: well they, i wouldn't yeah, i wouldn't consider right. them renewable period because again it's you're talking about the breezes or the sunshine mm-hmm. and if you have got a storm coming in you have no sunshine if you got you know snow covering your solar panels they're not going to do much to produce uh, electricity and you know there's only certain mm-hmm. locations and of course they run ideal. out of
0: materials eventually
4: yeah right there's only certain locations ideal might have the weather conditions, but you know, I'm here in California, we got sunshine, we got wind, but some of the Midwest and East coast, are horror stories when these <laughs> storms come in, be it in the winter storm or a hurricane. I mean, it would just wipe things out. It would be terrible.
3: Tom, I think you, what you really have to look at, if you go back and, and look at the, the polar vortex in Texas, a great figure came out, I believe it was from ERCOT, you know, the folks who do the electricity here in Texas. Turbines, solar panels contributed about 1% to 10%, many times zero to get everything running again. Natural gas-fired power plants provided over 430% of the electricity, the energy, the electricity needs for Texans to get the grid back on, to get their lights back on, to get the heat running again. For something to be even renewable, it goes beyond that where you have to go in this modern society you need energy and electricity 24-7, 365. So the sunshine can't do it. The breeze can't do it. The only thing that can do it is coal, natural gas, maybe, you know, oil, depending on what the power plant looks like, and nuclear. So unfortunately, while it's a great concept, a turbine and a solar panel, it doesn't produce. And then even on top of that, which we haven't spoken about now. I know you guys have written about, you in particular, Jay, the amount of land is sometimes 300 to 700 times more land is required for an industrial solar farm and industrial wind farm than it is for a coal-fired power plant, natural gas-fired power plant, or a um, nuclear, nuclear power plant. So it's hard to say something's renewable when I'm having to take up hundreds of times more land. than than the other source of energy to electricity requires.
0: Mm -hmm. And of course, then all the rare earths and other materials that will run out pretty quickly.
1: Well, (laughs) I would like to uh, close with our listeners. Uh, If you read one book this year, I would recommend Clean Energy Exploitation. There's 383 pages of uh, information, including references, Uh, tackle it, Ten pages a day and read it in 38 days. And you will thank me for telling you that. And you'll thank Ron Stein and Todd Royal for uh, writing this uh, magnificent document.
0: Yes, for sure. So Ron Stein and Todd Royal, it was really great having you both on the other side of the story with Dr. J. and myself. So everyone look up that book and also their other book on energy made easy helping citizens become energy literate as well as the other books that we'll have under the podcast so tom harrison jay lear signing out from the other side of the story